Okay, now we're beginning Masechus Maisris. This will serve as a brief introduction to the Masechta. The word Maisris here, in this context, is referring to the various tithes that one takes from agricultural produce that grew in Eretz Israel. So we're talking about Truma Gadola, as well as Maiser Rishon, Maiser Sheni, Trumas Maiser, and uh, Maiser Ani, uh, where, where uh, applicable. Now, the truth is that the Masechta doesn't actually deal very much with the mechanics of those tithes at all. Uh, to a great degree, we discussed those back in uh, Trumas, in the introduction over there, and if you want to see an overview of the entire tithing process and how that works, please take a look at the materials I have at the introduction to Trumas and Demai as well. Here, in this Masechta, we're basically going to be discussing when and which produce is uh the tithing is relevant to and uh and the details around that in general when one can and when one must tithe his produce so just first let's just confirm what we're talking about the various tithes apply only to food that grows in Eretz Israel out of Eretz Israel not and uh even in Eretz Israel there is a big machlokus Tanaim, Amarayim, Rishonim if a non-Jew can own land in Eretz Israel that would then exempt the produce that grows in that land from being subject to the tithing requirements. At the Machlokas the way through the Rambam, and we'll just stick with him for now, rules that Ain Kenyan, there is no way for a, a non-Jew to make an acquisition in the land of Israel, Lafkia, to uh, exempt that produce minimizers from from uh, needing to be tithed. So then we can say that um, even in Eretz Israel, even produce grown by non-Jews would be subject to the tithing requirement um, as if no different than if it were um, grown by Jews. Um, now, what t- types of foods we're talking about here? So the Pesukim specify just three. Dagan, which is processed grain. Tirosh, which is wine. And Yitzar, which is oil, olive oil. Um, and that being the case, most Rishonim learn that the various tithes are applicable midoraisa only to those products, grain products, dagan, which I mean um, grain products of the five species of grain, meaning wheat, barley, oats, spelt, and rye, um, as well as oil and, and wine. Others uh, expand the list of what's applicable. Some learn it applies to all seven of the species by which Eretz Yisrael is praised, they're in the Pasuk and Devarim, Perkhes Mishnaches, so that would add, um, in addition, pomegranates, figs, dates to the list, um, as well as olives themselves and grapes themselves that aren't pressed into oil and wine. The Rambam, who, again, let's assume that's the halacha, to keep things simple here, uh, rules that the requirements to take these tithes, applies on a Doraisa level for all tree fruit, as well as nuts, as well as grains and legumes. Uh, the only edible produce that is only rabbinically required to be tithed are vegetables. Um, but the bottom line is that everyone agrees, and that's the Mishnah sets out right from the beginning, that essentially all edible produce that grows in Eretz Yisrael is subject to tithing, whether on a Doraisa or a Durbanan level. The notable exceptions would be if the produce we're talking about here is produce that grew 
by itself in the wild, meaning it's hefker, ownerless. So that hefker produce is exempt from tithing. And also, if you had produce that um, was owned by the base of it was hektish, at um, the critical junctures where the technical requirements for tithing kick in, which we'll describe in a minute, Onus Amaisras and Gemar Malacha, if the base Amikdash Hektish owned it at that time, would also be exempt from tithing. But in general, all food that all people eat that comes from Eretz must be tithed. Now, it's a little tricky as far as when the obligation to tithe kicks in. Everyone agrees that if the food is attached to the ground, still, then it's not subject to tithing. And if one would try to tithe, meaning one would call some piece of attached to the ground, wheat, whatever it is, as truma, etc., that would be utterly ineffective. Um, however, uh, even if it's detached from the ground, it may not be subject to tithing. And in fact, you're not supposed to tithe your produce until what's called gemar malacha, the completion of the processing of the foodstuff to the point where it's intended to be processed. That means if you're harvesting grapes to make wine, you're supposed to wait until it's wine before taking any of the tithes, etc., um, however, provided that food is edible, that means uh, marginally edible, that means a person could eat it and I guess wouldn't, you know, he would agree to eat it under present circumstances, um, it's that ripe. So then the food has reached what's called onus amaisris, uh, the period for taking tithes. And if one does tithe it at that point, even though it's unripe, um, as long as it's marginally edible, so then uh, the tithe will be effective. Ideally, however, a person should wait until um, he harvests it under normal ripeness and processes it, and that would be called gemar malacha, the completion of the processing. And at that time, it's proper to take the tithes, um, although even then, believe it or not, he doesn't have to. Uh, that is to say that it's proper midurabanan, it's required that in the fields, as soon as you finish processing whatever it is you're processing, um, you should immediately take your truma gadol, your, your gift to the Kohen, and put that aside, because uh, we don't want that to get mixed up and become tummy, etc., um, as far as the other tithes, um, one is certainly within his rights to wait until he brings that those foodstuffs home and then tithe when it gets to the house. Um, when it sees the face of the house, Roa Panea Bias, at that point, um, there's no no um, wiggle room. The produce must be tithed. Now, before that point, before there's no wiggle room, so to speak, meaning um, even after Gemar Malacha, but prior to having seen the face of the house, um, one can tithe and one should tithe, but one is still allowed, even then, even after Gemar Malacha, um, assuming he's planning to bring it home, um, one is allowed to eat those foodstuffs um, in a chilas arai, in sort of a casual happenstance, non-formal consumption setting. And certainly before that, meaning while he's processing the food or while the food is still like in the field and hasn't been harvested at all, certainly one may um, partake of those, whatever food is growing, um, even if even if it's being cultivated in a casual way, a chilasarai, and he can eat it without ha- taking any of the tithes, that's 100% okay. And similarly, a person can feed it to his animals, um, and that's fine too. Once, however, gemar malach has arrived, that meaning that the finishing of the processing has occurred, and uh, and certainly when he and then he brings it home, if he's planning to bring it home, at that point, he must tithe it before he eats the food. Um, and even a chilas arai at that point, a casual eating is forbidden. So essentially, food, let me sum it up now, food really shouldn't be tithed until it's finished being processing, that's called gemar malacha. At that point, one can tithe, he doesn't have to yet if it's still in the field, and 
up to that point, and certainly before it, he could eat without tithing. And once he brings it home, and it's a royal Pnei Abayas that sees the face of the house, and it goes into the front door there, so then um, he must tithe before any eating, even Achilles Arai. So long as it's Achilles Arai, casual eating is permitted for him, it's permitted to feed to his animals as well. Now a few um, caveats. If a person's not planning on ever bringing it home, let us say he's planning on selling it, for example. That's the most likely reason why he wouldn't bring it home. He's selling it in the marketplace. So then already, once he finishes processing at that point already, he must tithe it. And you'll remember from Asachas Demai that it's forbidden to sell produce um, prior to tithing it. So he has to tithe it before he sells it. Um, there are a few other scenarios where, although he hasn't brought it home, still um, it's considered to be now required to be tithed. And that's where a person essentially does an act which shows that this is a quasi-formal consumption, um, which would include things uh, like cooking it. If a person's cooking the food but hasn't brought it home, he must really tithe it before he eats it. Same goes with if he salts it, um, like pickles it in a jar. Uh, yeah, also, once he begins the tithing process, having separate trumas, then he must tie the rest of it before he eats it. Um, and uh, importantly, if he... If it if it's uh, Shabbos, one can't eat this produce on Shabbos ever um, without it first being tithed because all consumption on Shabbos is considered to be uh, formal. There's no such thing as awry, happenstance, casual eating on Shabbos at all. And you'll recall that on Shabbos one is not allowed to tithe the produce, so if it's going to be eaten on Shabbos, it must be tithed beforehand. Okay, so that's the basic gist here. Now, um, one less important point, which the Mishnah discusses to a fair amount, is that there's the requirement talks about the food coming and seeing Pneha bias, the front of the house going in the front door, so to speak. It's actually Machlokas, um, Rav Yochanan, Rav Yanai, if the front yard of the house, the Chatzer, is already enough to be considered to having seen the front door. Either way, um, there's a funny loophole, if you will, Ha-Rama, like a trick, a loophole, um, which is if a person brought it to the back door, let's say he brings the food in through the skylight of his house, never bring it to the front door, then he sort of has um, sidestepped the obligation of tithing it. Um, and then there's quite a range of opinions in the Roshonim what happens next, um, from extreme to extreme. So on the one extreme, um, the Rashbam holds, it just never gets tithed at that point. He totally tricked the system, total, you know, like a tax avoidance, 100%. Um, on the other hand, the Rambam understands it still has to be tithed fully, just a question of um, delaying when it must be tied, I mean, once it starts to eat it, at that point, it certainly has to tithe it. And then there are other shittas in the middle. Again, let's, let's, that's that. Um, one seems to be able to, you know, pull this off, though, and um, while sort of a trick, it doesn't seem to be strictly legally forbidden to circumvent the tithing obligations and bring it through the, through the skylight, etc. Okay, so that's basically an introduction to Masechah's Maestros and kind of the topics we'll be dealing with. And now uh, we will start the Masechah in earnest.